Thank you for joining us as we walk with God. This is Brenda McCord. Walt and I are thankful for this opportunity to participate with The Awakening in America, an outreach of the Himmelreich Memorial Christian Library. Well, it's Christmas time, and I used to play a piano song called Silver Bells. You know, city sidewalks, busy sidewalks, dressed in holiday style. And so it's all about the city, right? Silver Bells. Well, during this particular season of Advent this year, we're not talking about a hustle bustle of a city, are we? But rather, we're talking about Bethlehem. And last week, as we introduced Bethlehem's story, we talked about that question of why. And we went, we had a little history lesson, if you remember, we went all the way back to Genesis. And we visited a man there who was in Egypt with 12 sons, and he was pronouncing words of prophetic blessing over each of his sons. Remember, his name is Jacob. God changed it to Israel. And when he got to his fourth son, Judah, he spoke these words, your brothers will praise you. You are a lion cub. The scepter will not depart from your hand. And then we go forward 700 years, we are in the promised land, and we visit a barley field during harvest time. A widow come from Moab meets the owner of the field. His name is Boaz. Do you remember that story in the book of Ruth? And where are they? Where is this barley field? It's in Bethlehem. And the Lord blesses their relationship, and they have a son named Obed. And Obed gives birth to Jesse, who gives birth to David. And you know, Brenda, even as we continue and we stop with David, we go forward another 300 years, and and these words from Micah, the prophet, talk about um, this prophecy of Bethlehem and and its significance continuing, because he wrote this, But you, O Bethlehem of Ephrathah, who are too little to be among the clans of Judah. It was just a small little town. From you, Bethlehem, shall come forth for me, one who is to be ruler in Israel, whose coming forth is from of old, from ancient days. That's Micah 5.2. This little small town of Bethlehem, insignificant, hardly noticed by the world, and yet it's going to be the, the source where someone will come out who's been planned and from of old, and they will be a ruler in Israel, a mighty ruler from of old. And our story continues as we visit this town. Um, but first, we've got to get up north. We've got to get to the, the, the area of Galilee in Nazareth, where there's a young man and a woman who are betrothed to become married. And, and Brenda, this is where we talk a little bit about the history of betrothal. Um, we don't use that word very often in our culture today. But at that time, 2,000 years ago, um, betrothal was seen as a legal um, um, status. Uh, once you were betrothed, you were intended to be married. Now, there was still planning that needed to occur, and there still would come a day where we would have the marriage ceremony, the covenant of marriage would be would be entered into. And also that commitment that was binding the betrothal would then have to be acted on. The wedding would be sealed with a ceremony, and also they would then have to consummate their union. That's what allowed them to become legally married. But betrothal was a legal status. 
Well, when we turn to uh, Matthew one twenty six, we're told that in fact this couple are betrothed, and in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth. So we're up north of Israel, we're to the west of the Sea of Galilee, and there is a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph. And note this detail. We always want to make sure we're pausing to see these details in God's word because it gives us information. Joseph was of the house of David and the virgin's name was Mary. So we now know we're talking about Joseph and Mary. Well, this angel came to Mary and he said, greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. Can you imagine the no. angel Gabriel coming and, and giving that kind of a greeting? Well, and you know, I always wonder, was she at, at the well, like getting water? Was she, you know, doing tasks? Where, where was she when the angel came to her? Yeah, and, and, and I, it, we would assume that she was alone. I mean, because it seems like no one else hears this. And then even as they continue to the story forward, it seems like she's alone someplace. But again, being visited by the angel who's significant, Gabriel is significant in the, in the life and history of, of the Jewish people. And so just that, that idea of one of God's most powerful angels comes and speaks specifically to, to this probably very young woman. Exactly. Who, who it, it, the text makes very clear she's a virgin. Even though she's betrothed, she's still a virgin. And she's troubled. Well, I, I think we would be troubled if we look up and see we, we see Gabriel, right? Oh, oh yeah. Yeah. When, when people see angels, once they realize they're angels, they are fearful. And she was trying to discern what this greeting meant. You know, oh, favored one, the Lord is with you. Again, remember, this is a young woman. And the angel, understanding, I'm sure her body language, her face was fear-filled. Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. And I want us to note verse 32. We've heard it many times. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. And the angel goes on to even explain to Mary, because she's puzzled, how can this be? I'm a virgin. How can I be with child? The Holy Spirit will come upon you, the power of the Most High. So we see Most High here again. This is God Almighty. He will overshadow you. And the child that is to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month with her who was called barren. Verse 37, for nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary's response to the angel, behold, I'm the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. You know, This is an amazing, you know, while you've already interacted here with me in this part of the text, this is 
a very unusual occurrence. Um, God's been pretty quiet for hundreds of years since the end of the Old Testament scriptures, the old, um, you know, ending there. And there's been a four, about 400 years of silence, right? Yeah. And, and even as, as you say that, that, there was still this expectancy. There was this, this idea that God was still at work. And, and there was a, a messianic expectancy. There were, there were a lot of people getting excited because they knew from Daniel's prophecy that there would be a time, and, and, and specifically there would be a time when the Messiah could and should be expected. And so that, there was this messianic expectancy that, that the historians talk about during this time. They knew something should be up soon. And, and so when you have this coming of this angel, I, I mean, it, it, this is spectacular, but there is this idea that, that something's big is about to happen. And when we look at this part of the story, and friends, I just want to share with you, you know, when Walt and I prepare to do our teaching here on these podcasts, we we break down the scripture, we pull out sentences and phrases where we're looking for repetition of words, of thought patterns that are here, and we're pulling this out, but it... One of the things that we saw today is how the angel greeted Mary. He says to her, the Lord is pleased with you. You have found favor with God. And I want us to realize Mary's not a perfect person. She's not a perfect woman. Rather, she has chosen, she's made the choice to walk with God. And in obedience, she's following his commands, not perfectly, not not in a sinless way, but in obedience, she wants to follow God. And that's what even what she means by saying, I am the servant of the Lord. I will do what you tell me. That's what a servant is to do. And, and I love how God is pictured here. And God is pictured here that he will send his spirit and that will come upon you, Mary. Really, it will overshadow you. That's one of the Greek phrases for, for hover over you, like, like a, a, a bird hovers over and protects them, their, their young uh, chicks, the same thing. The Holy Spirit's going to hover over you, and it's from the Most High God, El Elyon, the the high and lifted up one. He's going to hover over you with his spirit. Um, Just the imagery here is, is meant to be comforting to Mary because, again, what does it say? Um, you were you're troubled. That you're you're afraid. Don't be afraid. You found favor with God, and He's going to hover over you, and He's going to take care of you and protect you. And I just want to put a head to heart in here while as I'm listening to you share that. You know, Mary, as a young woman, she hears this angel, his message as as he comes to represent God before her, and is sharing something that has never happened in history and will never happen again. And her response is. Um, just filled with great wisdom, she demonstrates true humility. She, in fact, acknowledges God is omnipotent. He has unlimited power. He's able to do anything. She recognizes that he's omniscient. He knows everything. And she sees that God is sovereign. He has sovereign control over all things that will happen according to his plan and his purpose. Therefore, her words are, I'm your servant. Let it be to me according to your word. So having said that, from my head to heart, I pause 
and re- just reflecting on those words, I ask, what, what's my response to the Lord when he is leading me, when he's asking me to specifically take some steps or make a decision or a choice? You know, do I have excuses? Do I turn away from him? Do I question his plan and, and try to convince him, um, this isn't going to work, Lord. I just, just want you to know, you know, that question, how can it be? Or do I, in fact, submit to him, to his plan and trust that he will complete the work that he started according to his will and his purpose? You know, and even as you're talking, I, I think one of the marks of, of maturity is that more and more and more quickly, when we sense the Lord leading us, we, we don't hesitate as long. We we more quickly come to a place of obedience and a place of yieldedness to him. Well, there's a number another person involved in this coming together. We've always already read about Mary, but continuing in Matthew one eighteen, Mary had been betrothed to Joseph before they came together, and we talked a little bit about that, and she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. Now, in this culture, if somebody is found to be with a child before they have they have had the ceremony of marriage, which is then the time that they were to consummate it when they could have a child, um, this was a very shameful thing. This was not good. And her husband, Joseph, so even though they're betrothed, they're considered husband and wife, he was a just man. Oh, to have more just men and he was unwilling to put her to shame, he resolved to divorce her quietly. He's going to put her away quietly. And with that, as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, and that phrase, son of David, is important. We we realize that that is important because that's part of Bethlehem's story. Do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call him his name Jesus, which in the Hebrew is Yahshua, which literally means Yahweh saves. For the text continues and explains this, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet Isaiah. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son. This is out of Isaiah 7. And they shall call him Emmanuel, God with us. Yahweh saves. God is going to be with us. This is a God event. And when Joseph woke up from his sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife. And Joseph, this husband of Mary, the betrothed, but not physically the father of Jesus, that's the Holy Spirit from God hovering over him, but he is the legal father of Jesus. And the text notes that Joseph is the son of David. This is really crucial. Yeah, that points to his legal lineage. And I want us just to pause here in our lesson today and talk about Mary and Joseph and and just consider that they are very real people. We are so guilty of speeding past the people in God's word as we read the words on the page. If you understand what I'm saying there, Mary and Joseph, they play a very significant role in God's plan for humanity's redemption. Think about what they were facing. They will face rejection, ridicule, isolation, scorn, humiliation, rumors of scandal, public shame, and embarrassment. 
even facing death by stoning? And what other feelings were they experienced? Will the angel address the whole fear? Do not be fearful. Do not be afraid, Mary. So there's fear, but there's also worry. How do, how do I, how do I explain this? How do I tell Joseph? How do I tell my parents? How, you know, what's everyone? They're feeling confused and bewildered. And then if we turn to Joseph, he experienced even some different feelings, betrayal disbelief that this was a ha- was happening, uh, being offended, feeling disrespected. And, you know, Brenda, even as you're saying that, those emotions and, and all that are involved there, I, I mean, these aren't, these aren't theologically trained experts that that get this. I mean, we've we've heard this story for years. Those of us that are that are followers of Christ at Christmas time, but there there were great emotions. And even as you 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 talk about that, um, the genealogies of both Mary and Joseph they are of the the house of David. They're they're um, going to be issued a decree, and Luke talks about this in the beginning of Luke too. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus, the the ruler of the whole Greek world, that all the world should be registered. This was the first decree that went out, and and all went to be registered, each to his hometown, the the town of your tribe. And Joseph went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth, to Judea, to the city of David. And that ties back in again to the prophecies we talked about last week, which is called Bethlehem, because he was in the house and lineage of, of, of Jesus, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. Even as we get there, we, we were now here coming to Nazareth, and the lineage of David is clear. We, we had talked, there are some scholars, and I, I tend to agree, if we had been carefully following the lineage of David, his line, that that line should have left led us to Mary and Joseph, that they were a prince and a princess, and that makes perfect sense. They are of the kingly line, and that Mary's going to give birth, and Joseph is going to be the legal father, not, not the actual one, but the legal father of, of the new king, the, the king that's promised from his line. Because Isaiah 9 said that he would have a throne, and there would be no end to it. Well, even as we get to this place, and, and um, we we want to close with talking about obedience. Um, what a great example of Mary and Joseph, uh, the example of their obedience. But we also want to ask the Lord to make us more obedient. So let's close with that in our head to heart. So, Father God, we do thank you for Mary and Joseph's example of obedience. They didn't understand everything they were going to be asked to do, but they did what was asked of them even in the midst of their confusion, even in the midst of their uncertainty and fear. And Lord, we ask that we would follow that same pattern. We might not know all of where you're leading us. We might be somewhat fearful and confused. But Father, we ask that we would follow that example, that we would be yielded to you, that we would be obedient to your call on our life, and that you would direct us where you want us to go and what you want us to say. When we ask this as we consider Bethlehem's story, Lord, would you stir in us a desire deep within our hearts, our hearts to, to want to walk with God. I pray in Christ's name. Amen. Thank you for joining us as we walk with God. This is Brenda McCord. Walt and I are thankful for this opportunity to participate with the Awakening in America an outreach of the Himmelreich Memorial Christian Library.